Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. You've heard the phrase, liar, liar, pants on fire, but have you heard what God says about those who lie? Your words really do matter. This message will take a deeper look at the tongue's issue of lying. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about why our words matter, why they can build up or why they can tear down, why godly words can set a person free. They can heal us from our past uh, and they can push us towards the will of God. But man, destructive words, they can last a lifetime and they can take up residency in your head rent free, right? And so we're going to talk about just different aspects of our words in the weeks to come. Next week, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about how uh, to lose friends and push people away with our words. We don't want to do that, right? Uh, and then uh, the week after that, we'll close off the series with having our words are so powerful because we get to pray to the Lord God Almighty with them. This week, as Will mentioned, liar, liar, pants on fire. We're going to talk about the prevalence of lying in our culture and even in our own lives. Now, last week, we had an awesome fall kickoff. How many of you enjoyed the fall kickoff last week? I thought it was amazing. Yes. Uh, and I'll tell you, just meeting person after person, uh, met a number of new families. It was awesome. Now, we had to have three grills. And so at the last minute, I was told, hey, Andy, can we borrow your grill? I was like, sure, uh, I'll clean it up for you. And as many of you heard last week, I had a little accident, all right? Uh, I must have turned the grill on or, it was, or I, I bumped one of, the nozzle, or one of the knobs and I went to turn on the grill to fire it up to, to burn off all the things on the, uh, on the top of the grill. Uh, it did a little poof, right? It, it burned off a, a good chunk of my arm here. There it is, if, if you want to know what it looks like. Uh, Seriously, uh, you know, in the book of Leviticus, they talk about strange fire. That's a strange fire right there. So anyway, uh, but yes, it engulfed my arm. In fact, you want to see a video? Go ahead. Here's the video uh, of me uh, turning on the grill. Boom! There it is. Yes. Yes. The flames and heat burned. I'm here, right? It could have been much worse. Uh, it burned off the uh, uh, hair on my arm. I had to shave my beard down. My eyelashes are half of what they were. And my eyebrows feel really rough still. And they probably will forever. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, I, I, I'm just glad that my face wasn't closer to it. You know, sometimes you're not kind of looking down. That would have been really, really bad. I probably wouldn't be standing here today. I literally ran into the house, as you can see. that I love in the video, uh, I, I kind of look back at the grill like, hey, how dare you? Like it was a little pet. And, you know, I guess grills for guys, it's, you know, it's kind of our pet, right? But anyway, I went in just so scared. I'm like, Alice, I'm on fire. And I was afraid I was going to be like Two-Face from Batman, uh, but I wasn't. And I'm so, so happy I'm standing here today. But it happened in a second. Like, boom, it just happened in a second. And you know what? The Bible says that about our words. How a small word can literally catch a whole forest of flame. And it can happen in an instant so my question is this, if, if, if lies can set a whole force to flame, if it can cause such damage in lives, have you ever told a lie? Hmm? If they're so dangerous, I, want, I, I just want to just take a little survey here. Raise your hand, this is a survey, so this is participatory, all right? Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie, all right? And for those of you that don't have your hands up, uh, guess what? <laughs> you can put your hand up now because you just lied, all right? So... We've all told a lie. I'm going to tell you about a time I told a whopper, all right? A big one. I was in fourth grade, and there was this kid. His name was Nathan. Not our elder Nathan, but Nathan. And he would just brag to everybody about every new video game that came out. And he had all the inside knowledge. I think he was making half of it up. But I'm like, well, two can play this game. So he was telling everybody about the new Mario 3 coming out. I said, oh, yeah? Guess what? Here comes the Whopper alert. <laughs> I said, I have a grandpa that, li that lives in Japan. Why? Who works for Nintendo. Why? And he's given me Super Mario 16, all right? I went big. I should have said Mario 4, all right? By the way, if you were to count up all the Mario games, I don't even think we're at 16 yet, all right? This was back in 1990, all right? And so I said, hey, I have, I have Mario 16, Forget about three. And I'm like, no, you don't. If you're going to make a big claim, guess what the kids in the playground are going to say? Prove it, right? Prove it. I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I'm like, I realized as it was coming out of my mouth, you know, if you've ever told a big whopper, like, war just came out of my mouth. What you should do is you should just fess up and own it. 
or you just pile on. And guess what? In that moment, my little, my little brain, I decided I'm going to pile on. I have it. I, I'll prove it to you. Well, guess what? I didn't come up with it the next day. People are like, where is it? It's like, my mom won't let me bring it. It's so valuable. Uh, my mom won't let me bring it. But maybe, maybe the next day. I got away with that for five days, and then I started getting phone calls in the house. Uh, guys started calling the house asking for my mom, not me, asking for my mom. They said, excuse me, does your son Andy own Super Mario 16? My mom would hang up. It's like, what is, this is such an odd prank call. Andy, do you know anything about this? Right? <laughs> so one day I was like, uh, I'm just going to throw a Mario game in my backpack and hopefully somehow somebody's going to think it's Mario 16. I knew, it, the, I knew it was up. I knew the gig was up. So I came to school and I said, all right, everybody gather around my backpack. I have Super Mario 16 in my backpack. Uh, let, me pull it, let me pull the game out of my backpack. And I pretended I couldn't get it out of the backpack. Like somehow it was stuck in the backpack. Again, little, small, little kid brain going on here. And I, I was like, I can't, I can't get this game out of the backpack. And one kid, his name was Joe, he looked into the backpack he saw what was Super Mario 2, but I don't know if like his eyes were just weren't working that day or he just wanted to be part of the gig. He said, whoa, Andy really does have Super Mario 16. You can't believe it. It's like, really? It's like, yeah, I, I can't get it out, guys. It's like, whoa, and it went around the whole school. Andy really has Super Mario 16. People saw it with their own eyes. I thought, oh, no, this has gotten worse. <laughs> it spread throughout the whole school. Of course, everybody wanted to see it, and I just remember like, gig's got to be up. So I remember just pulling the game out the next day, and they're like, that's Super Mario 2! I'm like, I know. It was such a bad whopper that even my friends in high school, I'm like, so Andy, have you beaten Super Mario 16 yet? <laughs> uh, whoppers, they make you sweat a little bit. I'm glad we can laugh at it now, but we've told them. And we don't have to teach a kid how to lie, right? We don't. Who stole the cookie from the cookie char, right? Who, me? Right? No. And what about you when you get pulled over as an adult and you know you were speeding and the officer says, do you know why I pulled you over today? I'm like, no, I don't know why you pulled me over. What was, I was speeding? No way. It was a person. You have done that before, right? <laughs> no. Well, that's good. But we live in a society where lies have been normalized. We live in a society where political leaders lie through their teeth every day. Business leaders fudge their reports. Students cheat through their tests. People gossip, lie, and slander. And even the fact checkers need fact checkers. On average, this is the on average of people, this, no matter what their backgrounds are, on average, people tell 25 lies a day. And I want to tell you, I hope that number is lower. I tried looking to see a survey of Christians who, Tell lies, and Barna hasn't done that one yet. But what we have found, though, is that we struggle with that too, don't we? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that your heart is going to want to lie to you, and, and it's going to want to, to come to your mouth as a lie that you believe. If lying is so common, and even Christians are doing it, the question that we have to ask this morning, and I, I, I went looking. I, I've never preached on this specific topic before. I had, had to go back to the youth group days, and, uh, and, and I haven't really heard a number of churches talk about this, but is lying a big deal to God? Is it? Proverbs 12, says this. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. So lying is detestable. What is detestable? It's something morally disgusting, is the way that it's, that it's translated. It can be translated morally disgusting. When we lie to the Lord, it's like us coming, getting up in the morning, talking to the Lord and having the worst bad breath, right? It's like, oh, right? The, the Lord does not like it when we lie. It's morally disgusting and detestable. And so as Christians, when you place your faith and trust in Christ alone, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in you to testify what is true. Uh, we have the word of God, which testifies what is true. And the Holy Spirit comes to fill you and lead you in his truth. And followers of Christ, we're not perfect, right? But when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you are to live differently. Ephesians 4, 20 to 22, I mentioned this last week when I wore the leisure suit, all right? Uh, let me just read this again. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him and the truth is in Jesus, 
to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and the purity of truth. Therefore, put away lying, speak truth. Each one is to his neighbor because we are members of one another. So back to my question, does God care about us and our truthfulness coming out of our mouth and the lying that could come out of our mouth? Absolutely. Yes, he does care. Why? Because lies betray trust. Lies betray trust. They betray the trust in the Lord. They betray your trust in your friends and your spouse, your significant other, at the workplace, at school. The list goes on. Lies betray. Lies betray trust. And they're destructive and they're divisive. And so we need to hit this head on because yes, it is a cultural norm, but it has seeped into the church in different shades. And we'll talk about those shades today. Lies betray trust. So this morning, we're gonna define what is a lie, the reason we lie, how Satan tries to get you to lie, and what is truth. That's a lot to unpack, so let's get right to it. Lies betray trust. Number one, lies have no part in truth. Lies have no part in truth. Let's define what a lie is. A lie, according to the dictionary, uh, is to make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive, to create a false or misleading impression, an assertion of something known to be false as true. No matter how you feel about it, no matter how passionate you are, if something's false, it is false. And lying is a big deal to the Lord God Almighty. It's so much a big deal it made the top 10. The Lord's top 10 list called the 10 commandments. Uh, commandment number nine, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not lie. Be truthful. It's in the big 10, which means it is in the heart of the Lord. The heart of the Lord for his people, to, for us to really understand is this. We need to be honest people. A neighbor is anybody which we have dealings with, whether they're actually your neighbor or they're not. And it didn't take long for humanity to break this commandment. In fact, when the commandment was given, uh, humanity had already been breaking it for a long time. We see lying shows up in scripture uh, in Genesis chapter three. So we see the creation account, we see the creation of human beings, and boop, here comes a lie. Genesis chapter three, verse one, the first lie. Now the serpent, who is Satan, was the most cunning of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from, the, from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. You're for your eyes, uh, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then their eyes, both of them were opened and they knew they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Satan shows up in creation we see that God created this he the heavens and the earth and it was good. He created humanity to reflect men and women, to reflect his goodness, his image, and it was good. But Satan shows up. Where did he come from? Well, Satan uh, was created as an angel who, according to Isaiah chapter 14, rebelled against God in heaven by wanting to ascend on high. He wanted to receive the worship that was reserved for God. And when he did that, God cast him out of heaven and he took a third of the angels in a rebellion away. Those are now called demons. So Satan and demons rebelled against God uh, somewhere between Genesis chapter two and three. And we're told about it in Isaiah chapter 14. And so he shows up uh, in the creation account to wreak havoc. Uh, Satan, it's from the Hebrew hasatan, which means, uh, which means adversary. He comes to oppose the things of God no matter what. He wants to oppose Adam and Eve. He wants to oppose you. He wants to oppose his church. He most importantly wants to oppose God and his mission. So he shows up and he immediately questions God. Did God really say that? 
Oh, do we see that in culture today? Did the Bible really say it? This is what the Bible really meant. I know for the last 2,000 years ago, I know even the apostles, they had this idea, but the apostles, they got it kind of wrong. Did God really say that? Oh man, do we hear that today, right? We hear that uh, when it comes to our ethics. We hear about that when it comes to our morality. We hear that when it comes about our sexuality. We hear that about a number of things. Did God really say that? And that is Satan's OG ethic to question God. Did God really say that? Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? He questions God and then he says a bold-faced lie. No, you won't certainly die for you'll be like God and your eyes will open up and you'll know the knowledge of good or evil. Well, the half-truth, so this is what he does. He, he questions God. He says a bold-faced lie. You won't die. Of, and, and Adam and Eve, they did die, right? Uh, and, and it also kills them spiritually. That's why we need Jesus, right? Because he makes us alive spiritually. So he tells him a bold-faced lie, you won't die. But then he tells him a half-truth. And this is how Satan is so crafty. He'll tell us half-truths that sound so spiritual sometimes. But he, he gave a half-truth, you're going to be like God. Well, no, you're not going to be more like God if you sin. But, but the part that was true is your mind is going to know the knowledge of good and evil. This is what God wanted Adam and Eve not to know. He wanted to know him, not evil. So he mixed falsehood, truth, temptation, and he betrayed Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve betrayed God because lies betray trust. It betrays trust. Satan's mission is to question the things of God, and today his mission is to keep people from the gospel and to keep the church off mission for, any, for you to be enamored by temporal earthly things as the most important thing in your life. Uh, he, he does it in, in every area of your life. He wants it to become something more important than God. Oh, yes, that is the enemy's goal. But the enemy's goal, even for us this morning as a church, is to make minor things into major things, to make preferential things into things of orthodoxy, that if you don't do this preference of mine, oh, it's just as bad as if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. So often in the Western world, we have made the church about consumerism. And we are fighting against that as Kenosha City Church. That we will not come to church as consumers, but contributors into the mission of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to say, hey, church isn't about you, all right? Just, just tell them that. Church isn't about you, all right? Turn to your neighbor. Right now, this is, this, we got to remind ourselves of this. To your left and your right, say, church isn't about you. It's about Jesus, right? And hopefully you're saying it to your left and your right, so you both get it, right? So if you're like sitting by yourself, like, oh no, right? Church isn't about you. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and Satan told the first lie, and it spiraled into all sorts of lies. And the chaos that we see today is a byproduct of that. Lies betray trust. And lies have the propensity to destroy relationships and jo jobs and closeness even with the Lord. Lying is prevalent, and it comes in all shapes and sizes. You know when you go to the grocery store, and I just, you know, I'm told, hey, you know, pick up, a, pick up some Reese's peanut butter puff cereal, right? So I go, I, go to, I go to Meyer, for instance, and I'm realizing there are like five sizes, okay? You got, you got the mini size, okay? You got the medium size. You got the big old family jumbo size. You got the size that's in the bag, and then you have the little uh, travel size packs. Like, what one do you want? What one should I get, right? They come in so many different size and shapes. So it is with our lies. They're packaged in ways that they're sneaky and that we'll give into it. I'm not going to, I'm going to give you some shapes and sizes that lies come in. This, uh, th these terms aren't necessarily biblical. Uh, the biblical term, um, they're not anti-biblical, okay? They're, they're terms to help us categorize. The Bible simply defines lying as any form of dishon dishonesty. But Satan is crafty, and so he tries to package them in different ways. And, and I want to share with you different ways that people try to be deceitful. So... Types of lies and dishonesty. If you want to take notes, here you go. Here's some terms you may not have heard before, but they're terms that are employed in our culture and I want us to be aware of. Uh, the first lie is a lie that often uh, even Christians fall into. It's the white lie, right? Uh, these are sometimes called the polite lies or the lies of opinion. Uh, the consequences of many white lies is people can gain a false sense of self. Uh, that's why you have awful singers show up on... a. American Idol or America's Got Talent and they're, they're, they're in front of a, a huge audience and, and in front of a whole nation and they sing and everybody's like, oh, how did they, right? Like, how did they get up here, right? Well, the, well, the people that put the person on the show knew that this is gonna be somebody who's gonna gain ratings because they were so awful. They're gonna, they're gonna have 15 seconds on Instagram because they're so awful. But the 
awful thing about it all is the person singing up here was told they're a good singer. Somebody told a white lie, right? Gives us a false sense of self when all we hear is white lies, thinking we're the best thing to happen to music. All the judges are horrified. White lies are seen as harmless, but over time they even foster distrust for the person that gives them. Now, what I'm not saying is, is to become a critical person. Like, all right, I heard Pastor Andy say, uh, you know, no white lies, so, uh, you know, is this food taste good? No, it's terrible. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Don't become a critical person. You're to be graceful and kind, but you don't need to be falsely over the top. For instance, let me give you two examples. This will be helpful. If my kid decided to sing in a solo contest. They've never done this before, all right? But if they were to just sing in a solo contest, um, I'm not gonna go up and say, no matter what, that's the best singing I've ever heard in my life. Like, I mean, unless it was. I mean, I guess it could be. That's the best singing I've heard in my life. Like, oh my goodness, like, you're gonna sell millions of records, right? You're gonna sell, uh, you're gonna have the most streams on Spotify. That's amazing. Don't do that, right? that inflates a person's perception of themselves, I'm probably not being truthful. But that doesn't mean I can't go up to my, uh, to my son or daughter and say, that was awesome. You, you, you put passion in it. And, and, and thank you so much for doing that. And, and, that, and it sounded, sounded good, you know. But, but again, you, you dwell on what is excellent. You find what is excellent, but you don't need to be over the top uh, to where you're inflating something that's not there. All right, what about this? Husbands, let's talk about cooking for a second, for a second okay? If your wife asks you if you like her cooking, do not take this message to say, today to say, well, I learned from Pastor Andy, I need to be honest, so no, I hate your cooking. Don't do that, right? If your wife asks, do you like my cooking, you say yes, I love your cooking. Now, here's the reason why. You're going to find the best of that meal. The best might not even be the food. It could be the person who's giving the heart to prepare that food, all right? And so you're going to find what's excellent. The, that, that's biblical. Uh, we, we aren't told to go over the top and lie, but we're to find anything that's excellent and we're to dwell on that. That's what it says in the book of Philippians. So you do not say under any circumstance, no, I don't like your cooking, right? That, that, that is an insult. But don't go over the top and say, mm, mm, mm. You're like gagging inside, but you're like, mm, mm, mm. oh, this is so good. I love it. It is your fault when they make that every week, all right? <laughs> Being truthful, again, does not mean that you become a critical person. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, how to lose friends and push away people. Being critical is not a spiritual gift. Some people think it's the gift of discernment. No, it's not. Being a critical person is not a gift of the Spirit. Having a forever frown on your face is not a gift of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, those, those are fruits of the Spirit, right? And so a core value at Kenosha City Church is we will see the best in each other. And remember last week we talked about that you need five words of affirmation over the one word of corrective. It could be a good corrective word, but if, if you have too many corrective words and not enough positive affirmation, uh, there is going to be a depletion of, of perceived value in that person. And listen, this is not an extrovert or introvert thing. This is not, well, that's not my love language. I want to tell you, love languages aren't in the Bible. That's called psycho, uh, that's called psych pop, psycho pop. That's called psych pop. I don't necessarily disagree with it. I hope it helped articulate how some of us are wired, but it is not an excuse not to do access service or, or to spend quality time or, or, or to say words of affirmation uh, if, if those aren't your gifts or if those aren't the, your love languages. We are commanded in scripture to dwell on what's excellent and to speak that. We need to build up. We all need built up. Your pastors need built up. Your, the people volunteering, they need built up. The people out in this world need built up in Jesus Christ. Not with a white lie, but with loving truth and grace that builds up. White lies. These are the polite lies or lies of opinion. Just don't go over the top. Dark lie. Let's talk about dark lie. This is a lie that's not based on stating the opposite of your opinion like a white lie, but this is stating something opposite of fact. These lies are often told for selfish gain uh, when you think others will not be affected. For example, uh, you could tell a dark lie if you cheat on your taxes. Like, well, nobody's going to care, right? I mean, I'm just getting an extra paycheck, you know, from the, from the IRS. Well, you just told a dark lie, right? Uh, you're trying to have ill-gotten gain, and you think it's not really hurting anybody else. A blue lie. 
It's a lie that's told to benefit a group of people at the expense of another group. So you're putting down a group of people to make yourself look better. Uh, that's not truthful. Uh, so if you told a lie that would benefit your friend group, your office, or even your Bible study group, uh, the, the blue lied, uh, well, uh, that, that's what you're doing. You're doing a blue lie. You are, you're, you're trying to tear somebody or a group of people down to make your group better, okay? And so this often leads to what's called a red lie. A red lie is a lie that's done to harm someone else. Perhaps you're jealous of someone so that you lie to harm their reputation. Years ago, years ago, uh, we had, had someone come up to me and just said, I'm just so jealous of you and Allison. I'm like, okay, please do tell. Like, like, like what? He says, you guys have the perfect life, all right? Uh, we really enjoy our life. Like, we have, we, we have, a, we have an awesome life, and, but that's because of the Lord, right? You can all tap into that awesome life in the Lord, right? But we are not perfect. I'm gonna tell you this right now. She will tell you I'm not perfect, right? And so, the, the, but again, the people had this perception, but it was like kind of weird, it's like, huh, no, no, we're not perfect. I, I don't know where this is coming from, but I, I tell you, we're, we're, we, we sin too, and we have to ask forgiveness from the Lord. But then this person started talking behind her back and ripping us apart. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so confused. Why are they saying these things? I'm like, oh, they, they accuse us of being perfect. A red lie will harm you, and maybe you've been the, the victim of a red lie before. Bold-faced lie. Oh, we've, seen, we've heard a bold-faced lie, right? It's an obvious, shameless lie uh, one, that makes, one that a liar makes little or no effort to disguise as the truth. So uh, kids, they love telling bold-faced lies. Mario 16, hello, right? Uh, but adults imply it as well. Uh, Alice and I were, were softly hit by a drunk driver at a red light years ago. Luckily, there was a police officer at the intersection, and he saw it all. So he pulled around, and as I'm rolling down my window to explain to the officer what had happened, the drunk lady gets out of her car and passionately begins to tell him that I am the one that ran into her. Now, it's impossible because I'd have to literally throw it reverse and back into her. Um, but she was passionate. Uh, she was like, he ran into me. How could he do this to me? And for a second, I began to, to, to build an argument that I didn't do it. And then after I continued to hear her passion, I'm like, well, maybe I did run into her, right? And so it was a bold-faced lie. But I'll tell you this. Sometimes, whether it's bold-faced or, or, or any of those other lies that are on that list, uh, you can become gaslit. And that is where the person, uh, that is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group of people attempt to sow doubt and confusion in the person with whom they're lying about. Like, I knew this person had hit me, right? But they were so passionate, I'm like, for a second, I'm like, well, maybe I did hear her. Like, but luckily, the police officer did, did, saw right through this drunk lady's passion. And so a bold-faced lie is saying an obvious, shameless lie uh, with no effort to disguise the truth. Exaggeration is another lie. Uh, this can be called stretching the truth. Uh, this is where a statement is true, but only to a certain degree. Uh, this is where you make a, a story or a statement appear more powerful or meaningful than it really is. Uh, this is different than hyperbole, by the way. Hyperbole is like, man, I've told you a million times, stop doing that. Well, nobody logically is going to think I actually said that a million times. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm using hyperbole. I'm, I'm, I'm using, I'm not to be taken literally in that. Exaggeration, on the other hand, you are exaggerating something to be taken literally by the hearer. Uh, you're leading them astray with your exaggeration. So when my kid says, daddy, I clean my plate, and I go, look, and they took one bite out of the sandwich. They just exaggerated, right? Uh, exaggeration. It's like when someone says they have a law degree, but yet they only took one class at a law school and dropped out. That, is, that, is, uh, uh, that could be exaggeration. Or, or, or someone who, who uh, says they are best friends with somebody who's famous. Uh, they have their autograph, but they paid for that autograph. They saw him for literally 30 seconds. Exaggeration. So whether it be schooling that we never completed or whether it be uh, whether people that we say we know or the food that's on our plate, we can exaggerate in a number of ways. Another lie is omission. When someone intentionally withholds relevant information, leading the other person to believe something is true or, or, or true is untrue or something that's untrue is true. It's telling half the story with the missing half being crucial to the understanding the entire reality. Examples of omission is talking bad about your previous job and saying everybody was mean when in reality uh, you never made your deadlines and you came in late every day, right? That'd be omitting your bad behavior and saying, look what these people did to me. That is a sin of omission. Another sin is the historical or what I call a theological rewrite. This is huge today uh, in culture. This is rewriting a story or historical accounts to build up a current lie or philosophy that is untrue. 
This is happening in our culture today. Uh, this is, and it's destroying people's lives. Uh, it's often a byproduct of what we call critical theory uh, and also Marxism and intersectionality. Those are three different thought lines that are uh, infiltrating our thought processes and culture today. It's rewriting Western history. It's rewriting theological understandings. And it's putting it on a plate saying, this is real. No, it's, it's tofu of thought, all right? Sorry for those of you who like tofu. <laughs> Today, many people are redefining sin and stating what is considered evil and calling it good. And this rewrite is leading many, many people astray in culture, but it's also leading many astray in the church. Another lie is defamation. This is a communication of false statement that harms the reputation of individual person. It is spoken. If it's spoken, it's considered slander. These are just a few examples of lying. All right, and then there's the bluff. You can, like, you know, you're just bluffing somebody, right? And so you, you, here's a whole list of lies that, again, they're actually probably double this amount, but these are ones that, I've, that we see in culture today. Again, these aren't necessarily terms you see in Scripture, but Scripture prohibits all of them, all right? These are the ways the enemy tries to repackage something the Bible says all of these are wrong. Does that make sense? And so... Uh, as these are a few examples of, of the ways people lie. I want you to know gossip pours gasoline on these types of lies. So we're to have no part of it. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to have no part of that list. We're to have no part of the fuel of gossip that, that catches these lies on fire. Now, a, a word of caution. I would not consider a biblical lie when somebody is uh, honestly mistaken of the facts. And someone's recounting the facts and they're wrong, they're just, they're just wrong and, oh, I stand corrected, right? Uh, when one, uh, I don't consider it a lie when, when somebody, uh, uh, like a sin, a sin of omission, if somebody says, I want to know all this information and what you have is confidential information, right? Uh, if someone's like, I want to know your social security number, do you have one? Well, yes, uh, you need to tell me. Well, that's not, that's not sin of omission, not giving your social security number, right? That is protecting confidential information. And sometimes people tell you things in confidence that if you were to tell somebody else those things in confidence, you have betrayed the trust of your yes and yes and your no me no with the person that gave you that information. Does that make sense? Also, um, if a criminal were to come to the door, and said, hey, I want to know well, where your safety deposit box at, right? Uh, you tell me where it's at. Like, again, you're not gonna, you are not going to use truth to aid in something in a crime. Does that make sense? And so, in fact, I, I have had people say, is there ever a time, like, again, you use the uh, example of World War II. If, if, if a soldier came up to the door and said, are there any kids in this room, uh, how would you answer? And so in our next do ask for, I'm going to talk about the ethical ramifications of, of when uh, somebody that is harmful is trying to exert truth from you. Does that make sense? We'll talk about that in our, our uh, you ask for it session. We usually do those uh, once or twice a year. But again, I just, wanted, I just wanted to make these categories to not put your mind on hyperdrive like, oh no, uh, have I lied here, here, here? I mean, maybe you need to do that. But for, for those of you that are wholeheartedly trying to seek out God's truth, this is not to put your mind on hyperdrive to question every word where you're afraid to speak, okay? Uh, literally, lying comes from a heart that wants to deceive. Lying comes from a heart that wants to deceive. Now, let's talk about different reasons why people lie. Different reasons why people lie. And there'll be some overlap, um, but some different reasons why people lie are to cover their tracks, to harm others, to make themselves look good. You're jealous. Uh, you get angry at a person. You covet what other people have. You might want to just simply take revenge. Maybe somebody lied about you, so you're going to let them have it, and you're going to lie about them. In Romans 12, 17, we are told not to do this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Friends, do not avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Others lie because they are attention-seeking. Others uh, want to be superior. Others want to impress. But others lie because they're self-righteous. I want to park on this one for a second. This is one I think that can get uh, followers of Christ into trouble. Others lie because they want to look super spiritual. So they inflate their prayer life. Uh, they inflate what they hear from God. They inflate their testimonies. Let me just tell you this. Prayer is awesome. Hearing from God is awesome. Your testimony is awesome. You do not need to help God by inflating it. Right? When we, when we say, God, I'm going to inflate what you did, you, what you're telling God is, you didn't do it good enough. All right? God doesn't need our help. We just need to respond to his awesomeness. Right? 
And so, uh, people will uh, inflate. Some people will walk around acting super spiritual as a cover for something else. I want you to know people sniff that out really quick uh, if it's not a wholehearted. Some people even conflate their deceptive thoughts as God. They wound or even accuse with their unchecked prophecies. Now listen, here at Kenosha City Church, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is active and can speak today. But we must do it in a way that is humble. It's humble. Inviting God to do what only he can do. But God hates it when we lie to others by making ourselves look like we have it all together in the name of the Lord. That is the heart of self-righteousness. We are not a perfect people here at Kenosha City Church. But we are people made new. Made new in Jesus Christ. So we can put the act away. And I want you to know, this is what I love about Kenosha City Church. There are very few people that come in here and put on the act. And people that do, they either drop the act or they're like, I'm going to go somewhere else where I can fool people with my act. All right? We love it that this can be a place where people are not perfect, but they desire to be made new in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Now, the reason, another reason why people lie is it's a habit. Some of us lie because it's become almost pathological. The brain of a habitual liar literally is rewired. The more that you lie and you get used to lying, it rewires your brain. It takes that filter down where lies that should hit that wall is like, oh, I'm not going to say that. That's untruthful. To where it just whoopee comes out, comes out uh, without shame. And you want to know something. Somebody who makes a habit of lying, uh, it's, their, their stories will be inconsistent. It'll be ever-changing. The goalposts will always be moving in their story of grievance or their, uh, their story of superiority. And their story will be rebooted with lie after lie after lie. The results of lying, no matter what type of lie you're giving or no matter the reason of why you're lying, it's devastating. It quenches the spirit. It makes our prayers less effective. And it harms and even destroys relationships because trust is destroyed. And it inflicts pain and even trauma. Telling a falsehood or, living a, or, or speaking out a false narrative is theft of the truth. And it acts as a social murder if one is employing slander against someone else's reputation. And it causes stress amongst others as it radiates. The bottom line, lying breaks trust. And it's the ultimate declaration of distrust from God. It displeases him. Lying betrays trust. So what is a lie? It is purposely saying something that is false as if it's true. Second thing, let's talk about Satan's role in this. Satan defies the truth, period. Satan defies the truth. We see this in John chapter eight, verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are, you are, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. So the Jewish authorities are going up to Jesus and they're going up to Jesus thinking that they have a one up on him. We have, the Jewish leaders are saying, well, we have lineage that goes back to Abraham and we are fulfilling the law. We are doing all these good works. We are true, and they're, they're accusing Jesus. So Jesus has to remind them of the reality. Yes, you, you may have the lineage, and yes, you might do good things, but I want you to know you are not buying into the truth. You're actually, your father is the father of lies, Satan. Ooh, that's a big one, right? You cannot save yourselves because of your family or your church upbringing or any good work that you do for that matter. You are saved by God's grace and you placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Faith plus grace, plus nothing, equals salvation. But the Jewish leaders were basing it all on their works and lineage. And so we see here Jesus is saying, you are not my children. You are aligning with the father of lies. Now look at verse 44. We get a very clear picture in John 8, 44 of the character of our enemy, Satan. He's the father of lies. Which means the lies, the lies that we see in this world, they originated from our enemy, Satan himself. But he's not just the father of lies. He reproduces. If he's the father, that means he had to reproduce lies. Who does he reproduce lies through? You and I. He loves to, be, to use his bullhorn through our lips with his falsehood. 
There's no truth in Satan, we see here in verse 44. There's no truth in lies, therefore. And Satan is called, because of his lies, a murderer. Lies are not life-giving. They take away life. So how is Satan trying to hook you this morning with his lies? With all those categories of lies, how is he trying to do it? He will try to sell you the same thing in different packages, right? So how's he doing it? Number one is he's lying to you. He lies to you. There's no truth in him. He asks you, did God really say that? He, he asks you, does it really matter? Is it really a big deal? Uh, if it's in the confines of your own home and it's not hurting anybody, does it really matter? If it's in Vegas and it stays in Vegas, does it matter? Uh, you deserve it. Uh, they, they need to get it. Uh, everyone is doing it. Satan is a liar and he lies to us every single day. And when we listen to the lies, listen, you can't help it sometimes when he's saying things to you. We are to resist, the Bible says, right? But when we take in the lie, the lie reproduces in you. You go for it. You minimize it. You rationalize it. You believe it. You champion it. And when you champion it, it leads you to encourage others to do the same. So Satan tells you a lie. Uh, you, you buy into it. It reproduces in you. Uh, it goes through a transformation process of rationalizing it, believing it, and now championing it, where you encourage others to do the same. Lies reproduce, not just through you, but in numbers. You gossip, you slander, you convince others uh, doing bad isn't all that bad. You convince others what is evil is actually good, or what is good is actually evil. And Paul warned the Roman church in Romans chapter 1. He lists a whole list of sins that people were encouraging one another to do. And this is how he ended. He says, they not only do them, but even applaud others to practice them. People who give into a lifestyle of lying... And any other sin for that matter, become cheerleaders for that sin. And Satan begins it all with a lie. He wants your words to be used to lie. Lying never builds up, it tears down, it confuses people, and it distracts people from the gospel of Jesus Christ. If somebody is willing to distract you with the gospel, you better believe there's something going on in the heart. We need to get a grip in our tongue. And Kenosha City Church, our value is to see the best in people and speak the truth of Jesus Christ to people. We will not, here at Kenosha City Church, reward a gossipy character. We will not reward a critical spirit or a vengeful spirit. These, these, uh, these all run around in the cloak of wisdom, by the way. I've never seen somebody who is critical or gossipy doing it in a way like, hey, I'm going to gossip right now. No, it, it, it's a cloak of wisdom. I just, I'm concerned. Can I tell you what I'm concerned about? Yes, this person over. It's always cloaked in wisdom or discernment or the voice of God, right? But these, are, these spirits are, are the voice influenced not by God but by the enemy. We will be graceful and we will be truthful because that is what the Lord is asking us to be at Kenosha City Church. And we are living in an era where it is pushing against our hearts and culture to be vengeful, lying people. But we will be people of truth, God's truth. We will take every thought captive every man-made philosophy captive. No matter who you are, you are at risk today and you are targeted today to buy into the lies of the enemy. Colossians 2.8 says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. Today, the enemy walks around like an angel of light, speaking even what seems spiritual words, whether it be, uh, again, critical theory or intersectionality. It's being taught in our schools uh, it's being taught everywhere in culture. That's, that's one end that we're being lied to. We're also being lied to by hyper-spirituality that has, uh, has more in common with the New Age movement than Scripture. These things want to capture our hearts. But the only, heart, the only thing that should capture our heart this morning is the Lord God Almighty and His truth. Amen? Anything else, you can try to put frosting on it. It's still going to be a lousy burnt cake. It's not going to taste good. It may fool people for a second, but I want you to know you were not made for that. You were not made to be a person that is to be critical or, or buying into lies. You were made to be people of truth, which the scripture says, and the truth will set you free, right? Because lies betray trust. So let's talk about truth. The truth is going to set you free. We need to end the message today. We've talked a lot about lying, what it is, what, what we shouldn't do with it. Let's end it by talking about truth. Number three, Jesus defines truth. If Satan defies truth, we need to know Jesus 
defines truth. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees, that's the religious leaders again, uh, said to them, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus responded in verse 14, even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. Verse 18, I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Now notice what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying his words are true. Uh, Jesus is not saying his words are true because they align with truth. No, rather, he goes much deeper. Uh, Jesus is saying his words are truth because he is the definition, the character of truth. We gauge things if they are true, not by some kind of, is this true or not? What does culture think? It's none of that. It's what does God say about it? He is the definition and the definer of truth. And so when Jesus is speaking, Jesus fully God, fully man, when he's speaking, he's speaking perfectly the words of God. And his words testify to themselves. Jesus is light. There's no darkness in him. Darkness is the absence of light. When something is false, it is the absence of truth, meaning this, truth is the heart and the character of God and it's defined by himself. That is why in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say, I am a truth. He's not saying, I am true. He's saying he is the truth. The truth. Which means there's only one way to the Father, to heaven. But, but let's not miss this here. Truth is, is, is formed, it is defined, and it is kept by the character of the Lord God Almighty. He is the supreme court of what is true. And his truth must be our firm foundation of which we guide, which we're guided by, and we test everything through. Amen? And it's this truth, again, that will set you free. It'll set you free from the bondage of sin and shame, but it also will set you, it will set you free uh, to, be, to live in the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you need to be set free this morning? So here's some take home. And then I wanna speak specifically to those that may need to give your life to Christ this morning. You never have. You need to, you need to submit yourself to his truth this morning. So here's some take home. Where are you most untruthful? Maybe it's to yourself. Maybe it's the way that you see yourself. God's trying to, you're reading scripture and you see and you hear what God thinks of you, but you don't think of yourself that way. That's untruthful. Where are you most untruthful? Go before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and strength to live in truth. That might even seem harsh. Like, man, I have such a low view of myself. Ask that God, I'm sorry I don't trust you, but how awesome that you see me. Like, maybe you're untruthful at work. Maybe you're untruthful with your, with your schooling or maybe your tests. Where are you most untruthful? Talk to the Lord about it. Number two, what situations do you tend to exaggerate? I know that's untruthful again, but let's talk about exaggeration. Where do you feel like you're not measuring up so you begin to exaggerate your stories or you exaggerate your accolades, right? What do you tend to exaggerate? You don't need to do that. If somebody doesn't accept you because who you are, I want you, I want you to know, and, and, you're, and you're wholeheartedly following Christ, I want you to know that if you're following Christ, uh, you have nothing to worry about, right? What situations do you tend to exaggerate? Number three, where do you need to make right where your falsehood has damaged your relationship? Where do you need to make right? Maybe you said something about somebody's like, man, that was just, that was just wasn't true. Where do you need to make right? And, and here's a bonus. I don't have a slide up for this. Where have you been hurt by lies? And you just need to talk to the Lord about it. Because if you don't talk to the Lord about it, you're hurt about lies. It's gonna turn into bitterness. And guess what bitter people do? They start lying. Today, God is offering healing in this area. So Father, we love you, and I just pray that you uh, would heal this congregation for where they've been lied about. Maybe, it's, maybe it was as long ago as when they were children. Maybe it was in the workplace. Maybe it was recent. Help to not become bitter. God, I pray that you would convict where they have not been truthful. God, they would make right with you. And God, help us not be people of exaggeration. Help us be so confident 
in your goodness that we don't need to exaggerate our spirituality. We don't need to exaggerate our accolades in life, but we are wholeheartedly following you. And in that, we know that we are accepted in you and we are growing in you and that you are our Father going before us. So God, I just pray that you speak to the hearts right now, that your Holy Spirit would lead and convict and heal. Father, I pray for anybody in this room now where they haven't been living in your truth, as in they've never placed their faith and trust in you. They've been trying to trust something else that's not you. God, I pray for anybody in this room now that has never personally placed their faith and trust in you alone. They never asked you to, to save them from their sins. So with every head's about nice closed, let me just talk to anybody in this room now. If you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, today's your day. You need to give your life to him today. You need to receive him as your savior today by placing your full faith and trust in Jesus alone. Faith and trust in what? This is what you're placing your faith and trust in. That God made you to be with him. But your sins separated you from Almighty God. Your sins, your lies, your other, other things that you have done wrong. It has separated you from Almighty God. And there's no religion or good works that can get you to God. But while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. For it's by grace, God's undeserved favor, that we're saved, not through works, so that no one may boast. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, that is die spiritually, but have everlasting life. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is your answer. Without him you're lost, but in him you're found. Place your full faith and trust in him alone that he came 2,000 years ago to die in your place. He died on a cross and he took on your sin when he went on that cross. He took on the wrath of God to, to pay for your sin that you did, not him, but you did. And he paid the punishment for your sin, your sins past, your sins present, your sins future. He died, but he rose from the dead three days later because he's a perfect sinless sacrifice. He rose from the dead three days later. And your responsibility now is to receive what he did for you. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm in. Lord Jesus, I place my faith and trust in you. I need you to save me. Will you save me? Just talk to him right now. If I've got nobody looking around, if this morning you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, this morning you're like, I'm doing it. I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. Will you just make eye contact with me? Just say, yeah, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. I want to place my faith and trust in him alone. Awesome. Lord Jesus, thank you for those that are responding to you this morning. Thank you, God, that in this place that people are saying yes to you. Lord Jesus, I pray now that they would live a new life, one that is pleasing to you, one that walks and lives in your truth. And Lord, I pray for this entire church that we would walk in your truth that we see from your word and empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that the truth would set us free. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it is our honor to be a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. If you became a Christian today, your next step is baptism. Baptism is when you go public with your faith in Jesus as a symbol of going from an old life into a new one. If you would like to find out more about baptism, all you have to do is go to kenosha.church events. Beyond that, if you want to know more about your next steps as a new Christian, all you have to do is go to kenosha.church next steps.